SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. Busy, busy night lined up for you this evening. Thank you to the Money Web team. They're back tomorrow with another edition at 6 p.m. I'm Brad Brown with you till 7 tonight. And uh, we'll be chatting cycling. We'll be heading to the Tour de France where we'll catch up with Douglas Ryder, the team principal from Team MT in Quebec. We'll find out what happened at the Craven Week today. We'll head to St. Andrews where the Open is taking place. And we'll also hear from Kevin Anderson. And talking of the Open, Retief Wilson got his uh, off to a great start today. The two-time U.S. Open champion shot an opening round six under 66. He's currently tied for second, just one off the lead. The veteran South African golfer, whose round included seven birdies and just one bogey today, was delighted with his start. Definitely one of the best rounds I've played around here at St. Andrews. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a long way to go. Uh, Mentally-wise, uh, you need to be very strong. Um, and we'll just you know, take it one day at a time, see what the weather is going to do. Uh, scoring is good, uh, so there's a lot of players in with a chance, uh, I think, come Saturday, Sunday. Despite not feeling at ease with his game during the warm-up, the Goose says he's glad things came together during the round. I hit the ball horrible on a driving range for some reason. Um, but you know, once you get out on a course and you start seeing and, and feeling the shots you need to hit, my, my game plan, and I hit it nicely. Uh, I made that one silly bogey on a third. I hit a poor tee shot into the bunker and had to come out sideways. So, so that was the only bad mistake. Dustin Johnson is the leader. He's on seven under par. Charles Swartzel, Louis Westays on five under. They two off the lead. Also on five under is one of the pre-tournament favourites, Jordan Spieth. The Rugby Championship gets underway tomorrow. Defending champions New Zealand take on Argentina at the AMI Stadium in Christchurch. Meanwhile, Australia named their, CE, uh, their team for their opener against South Africa in Brisbane on Saturday. Uh, Matt Gittow returns in number 12 jumper after four years of not playing rugby for Australia. He'll line up outside Quake Cooper and Will Genia, who are playing as the half-back pairing. In football news, Orlando Pirates coach Eric Tinker will use this weekend's Kings Super Cup tournament in Swaziland as preparation for their CAF Confederations Cup match against CS Faxian next week. Bucks will face Royal Leopards in the second semi of uh, the tournament at Lobamba Stadium uh, on Saturday. The one-day tournament will also feature Kaiser Chiefs and Mbomban Swallows. Good news for football fans in the Northwest. Newly promoted Jomo Cosmos announced that they'll play their home matches at Olin Park Stadium in Potchefstroom from November. Stage 12 of the Tour de France has concluded. Joachim Rodriguez of Team Katusha winning the stage from Jacob Fuchslang of Astana. MTN Quebec's uh, Louis Menkes finished fifth. But uh, sadly, most of the talk and coverage around the Tour is on speculation of whether or not Chris Froome has been doping. Disgraced drug cheat Lance Armstrong is in France doing a charity ride and the former US Postal rider has been stripped of seven titles. He took to Twitter following Froome and Team Sky's domination on day one in the Pyrenees. Uh, Armstrong tweeted, clearly Froome, Port and Sky are very strong. Too strong to be clean? Don't ask me. I have no clue. Asked today what he's thoughts were this is what his response was i don't know i mean uh, it's not my it's not my job to, to give opinions about that so i watch the, i watch the race just like everybody Yep, we'll leave it at that. Looking at the Ashes, it is day one of the second test between Australia and England, and Australia are in the pound seats. I can tell you, 301 for the loss of one on the opening day. That after they won the toss and chose to bat. Still eight overs left to play. Chris Rogers and Steve Smith, both unbeaten centuries. Rogers 139, not out. Smith 113. That's it uh, for your sports news. Coming up next, we'll head to Latour.
SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, it was another fantastic day at the Tour de France today. Stage 12, the third day in the Pyrenees, and another tough one. But uh, it was another great day for Team MT Quebec, and uh, another case of so close but yet so far. Uh, finishing fifth on today's stage was Louis Mankies, and uh, uh, a very eventful day for the young South African as well, coming off his bike, but uh, managed to get back to uh, into the group, and a uh, strong finish, and joining us now is Team Principal of Team M10 Quebec, Douglas Ryder. Douglas, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap once again. Thanks for your time. Uh, it's uh, We've chatted every single week uh, on a Thursday. Still surreal. I mean, the Pyrenees are, are now done. It's been a hard three days for you guys. Yeah, thanks. Brad. I mean, the Pyrenees are incredibly hard, and today was the Queen stage in the Pyrenees, and so, you know, we were the guys are really tired after yesterday's pretty hard stage with Serge Powell going fourth our best result in the Tour de France. You know, we, this year we're going for stage wins. It's a big objective for us. We wanted to wear a leader's jersey, and we did that in the first week with Daniel in the King of the Mountains jersey. But now, you know, every other day and every day, we're trying to do something significant and try and go for a stage win. And Louis was fortunate enough to be in the breakaway today, and which was a really tough breakaway. Started with 23 riders and then whittled down to to nine riders in the end. And then, as you said, he ended fifth, unfortunately crashing on the descent of the second last climb of the day. And, and, and hurting himself quite badly, actually. I mean, I just saw, saw him now in the bus just before he took a shower, and, you know, he's pretty open on his hip and his elbow and his shoulder, so it was a pretty hard crash. There was, it was raining on the descent of the second mountain pass, so it was really, really tough, really slippery with lots of shale on the road and incredibly narrow and very, very steep. I mean, the mountain passes in the Pyrenees are not for sissies and um, unfortunately came down, but recovered well, and he just cracked a little bit towards the end, and, and then he took in the end, which was, which was brilliant. I mean, he was close to the podium. He, if he had a little bit more energy left and probably not crashing and having his sugar levels go up so high in the crash, he probably could have survived and, and maybe got a podium. But it's got an incredible performance from, from the young Louis Mankey. Like I wanted to ask you, just uh, is he okay? I mean, he's probably beaten up pretty badly, but a road rash. But we've seen some horrible crashes in the tour this year, people uh, not making it into the next stage. Uh, nothing broken. He'll be okay to, to fight another day tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he was limping a bit when he got off his bike, but he'll, you know, the guys will patch him up. Unfortunately, today there's a long transfer now to, to Toulouse, so we, you know, he's got an hour or two hours in the bus now, which uh, is already quarter past six by the time we leave, it's quarter to seven, you get there by nine o'clock, and then it's dinner and massage and everything. I mean, the days are long here, we had a transfer this morning, and uh, now we've got a two hour transfer after the stage, after them riding 220 kilometers. Um, in total today. So, yeah, he's a bit banged up, but I mean, I'm sure he'll be okay, but just tomorrow, and tomorrow's a flatter day, so he could just sit in the bunch and, and be pretty casual, and, uh, tomorrow we'll try again with Reynolds, Jensen van Rensburg, Tyler Farrar, Edvald Bosenhagen to see if we can get closer and closer to the top step of the podium. We're absolutely loving it. You talk about the top step of the podium. Uh, you mentioned Daniel. Daniel uh, Tickleimanot, who was uh, wearing the, the King of the Mountain, the polka dot jersey, for a few days in, in week one. He's, he's lost that jersey now, but uh, that's something that will never be taken away from him and the team. You, you guys must be so proud of, of what, what, what he's done and, and what you've done as a team so far in the tour. You've, you're there to compete. Yes, you're on a wild card entry, but uh, no one would say that. You, you are, are there on merit, and, and you're racing as hard as, as you can. Yeah, I know, thanks. I mean, the King of the Mountain strategy for Daniel was a personal ambition of his and, of course, the team's. It was a big goal for us. He, he's always up for it and you think a jersey's easy to get. I mean, everybody in, the, in this race wants to, you know, wants to, to be successful and get, get uh, exposure. And for him to wear the jersey for four days and into the race day was just incredible. I mean, we were, 
incredibly proud of him. He was super happy too, and the team was, you know, lifted the team to such a high level. And I mean, we've had so, you know, third Powell fourth, Louis fifth, Edvald was fifth twice, Raynor seventh, Tyler Farrar eighth, Steve Cummings tenth. We've had so many top tens in the in the twelve stages of this tour from all different riders. It shows that every single rider on our team has an opportunity to be successful. And uh, and that's the uniqueness about our team, I guess. We don't have a single-minded strategy. We do give the riders opportunities to be successful, and it's and it's amazing how you know how this team has performed this year. We came into the event with a hugely high level. The guys were really prepared well, and now you know now we got one flattish day tomorrow, and you know to finish the Pyrenees is off, and then we we go into the Alps, and we're looking forward to the Alps, and hopefully in the last week the guys still have you know still have good legs to to be able to do something that. You know, if we ended the tour today, would we? Would you say I'd be happy? I'm ecstatic. I mean, we've done much more than we ever thought that we would or could, and and uh, yeah, thanks to you know everyone in South Africa for supporting this team. It, that makes a big difference as well. So thanks. Douglas Chris Froome in the Maillot leading the general classification. He had a fantastic day on day one in the Pyrenees. Sadly, a lot of the, the media hype and talk around what's happened is obviously with Lance Armstrong in France uh, on that charity ride. He's had a lot to say. Well, what's your take on this whole thing? Uh, I mean, there's so much accusation about Chris Froome and is he doping? Uh, it must be tough on a rider like him and someone that you know. He's raced here in South Africa, spent a lot of his time uh, here, and, and you guys know him quite well. It, 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 it can't be easy. Look, it's... It's not nice, it's, and it's, and it's actually uncalled for. I mean, there's, you know, fact or fiction, right? There's so much fiction at the moment, and he's an amazing guy. They're, you know, they're a team that prepare really, really well and train really, really hard. And if you talk to Gary Blem, who's a mechanic and South African, South African mechanic on, on Team Sky, you know, he'll tell you how hard they prepare and how hard they train and the focus that they have. And I mean, they, they're an incredibly professional organization and, and an organization that we as a team look up to. So, you know, I'm sad for Chris, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy, and we, we wish him all the best, actually. It would be great if he can win this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, African team, uh, an African winner would be amazing. Again, uh, Douglas, thank you so much for your time again tonight. I, I know yeah. you guys are very busy in the middle of the tour, and uh, we much appreciate you, you taking the time out to chat to us. Please pass on our best to the team. Everyone here in South Africa okay. is rooting for you, and we love watching you, you race in the tour. Thanks. SAFM Sports Wrap. Let's head to St. Andrews now in Scotland, where the 144th Open Championship is underway, round one. Uh, just about done and dusted. So it's been a fairly low-scoring day today. Uh, Nick Dye joining us. Nick, it must have been a fantastic summer's day in Scotland looking at those scores. Just about done and dusted. I like that. It's wishful thinking. We've got another four or five hours. <laughs> uh, in terms of the leaderboard, you can't see an awful lot more changes, though, because while it was a lovely Scottish morning, it's a typical Scottish afternoon with blustery winds here, and apparently it worsens overnight and we get torrential rain tomorrow morning. So the guys that are out there at the moment, they're going to get the rough end of the stick because they're playing in the winds, and then they'll play in the torrential rain. Dustin Johnson leads, seven under par, one-stroke advantage, but isn't it wonderful to see Retief Kusen right up there? We spoke recently in Munich of just how well he's putting his game together, totally injury-free, health is right, and he looks back at St Andrews where he's played particularly well in the past. So great to see him up there, Charles Schwarzel's up there, and the news out on the course... Brandon Grace is one of those that, despite the way the weather is, he's going nicely. Three early birdies on the front line. Let's hope he holds it together. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And it's good to see the South Africans who have all won majors uh, looking uh, at the names there. You mentioned Charles Schwarzel, but uh, Louis Wistazen's there too. It's looking very good from a South African perspective. Still very, very early, round one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll be holding thumbs and, and watching it closely. Looking at Jordan Spieth, he's up there too, one off the pace. He's been one of the, the names that has been spoken about lots in the build-up to this championship. Five under par for Spieth, five under for Louis. And it's one of those days where, particularly when you've got off in the morning, you know that you've got to make something out of the front nine, and as you make that turn, it's windier on the way home, going back towards the town, all on the seafront here in St Andrews. So terrific scores from each of them. And Louis is someone under the radar this week. Clearly, he's the man that won at St Andrews last time we were here, five years ago, but he's understated. He doesn't push himself too much in front of the cameras and things like that. So it's great to see that he's still very much got the game together. Indeed, he has done on the major stages recently, so wonderful to see him up there. Well, it's tied seventh at the moment. Tiger Woods, a day he'd want to forget? Mm. He's actually fairly bullish about it. He didn't strike the ball well. He fatted it on the first two holes, straight into the burn on the first. And whilst it's a round of 76, he found some decent stuff on the back nine. He thinks that because the weather's going to worsen, he'll be that much better off because others will come back to him. Clearly, <laughs> he's got to put it together an awful lot better than he did today. Wishful thinking. And then just finally and, and quickly, Nick, uh, I saw a video this morning of Michael Phelps putting from halfway down the fairway yesterday in the Pro-Am. Tell us about that putt. I wish I'd seen that myself. Haven't you seen I it? Think, have you not think this is the Dunhill Links Championship of a couple of years back in the Pro-Am where he putted from well off the green for more than 100 yards? I'm sure it was uh, it was done. European Tour tweeted it this morning, so I thought it was uh, from yes or from yesterday. Ah, it's not from yesterday. Oh. It's, it's old. Uh, it's mistaken. old, but it's brilliant. I'm it's mistaken. the longest part we think ever seen. <laughs> 168 foot And they ran through his entire CV after he hit it before it got into the hole, which was pretty spectacular. <laughs> Nick, thank you very much for that. We'll chat again tomorrow uh, here on SAFM, and uh, we'll have all the score updates tomorrow morning on AM Live. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM Sports Wrap, and we caught up with him yesterday after day one of the Burger of a Canoe Marathon. Day two today, Dave McLeod joins us. Dave, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap again today. Yesterday you were saying Hank McGregor had a, a fantastic day and stamped his authority as he, as he tends to do on these events. How did he go today? Yeah, well, he started holding all the cards today, Brad. Um, he had a two-and-a-half-minute lead. And they had the weird situation where they basically raced the same stretch that they raced yesterday as a result of this low river. So he knew exactly where he was going. There were no surprises in store, and it was a great opportunity to attack. If you look at the context of the four days, this second stage is the king stage, because this is where you potentially win the race, because day three and day four are all started in the batch. And if you've got a lead in the bank, then you just have to sit with the batch and protect that lead. So this was the day that Hank would potentially be out to win the race. It's the shortest of the stages at 46 k's. And he did. He took off like a scalded cat. It was three degrees uh, on this low river, and he just he just took off. Um, and by the time they had got to the first of the bridges, which has also got a, a hotspot bridge prize in, uh, he had converted that three-minute lead into a six-minute lead, which wow. over that short space of time is a, is a pretty phenomenal showing. So everybody saw Hank at his very best. But what they saw immediately after that was Andy Burkett, being caught by the Spanish paddler Kiko Vega. Um, Kiko came here with a, a pedigree as, as, as a good sort of seller descent paddler in Spain, but really unfamiliar with these conditions. But he's got the heart of a lion. He just doesn't know when to stop. You know, he's able to go flat box for three, four, five hours. And he basically cajoled Andy Burkett into pushing it. 
And the next time we saw the paddlers, that six-minute lead that Hank had was suddenly back down to three and a half minutes. And then when he finally got to the finish at, at the Mistletown Dam at Bridgetown, it was only two and a half minutes. So a race of two distinct stages, Hank on the charge, and then these two working together to basically erase all his hard work from the beginning. But having said that, Brad, he's holding all the cards. He's got a two-and-a-half-minute lead in the bank as he heads into the second half of the race. Okay, so he's lost a tiny bit of time, but uh, he won't be too concerned, I'm sure. As far as the ladies go, we were struggling to hear you yesterday because the signal is a lot better today. Uh, tell us uh, how things are looking uh, on that side of the race. Well, right now, it's Bianca Bevitt's race to lose. She was second last year. Uh, very strong paddler. She's been training very hard for this. She's really set her sights on putting her name on that women's trophy. Uh, she had a really good first stage, put a massive amount of time between herself and the rest of the women's field, and did it again today. Um, very confident. She's done her homework on the river, um, and she's got through all the technically difficult stuff now. Uh, the, the second half of this race poses very different questions. Um, her challenge at this stage is that she's the only female competitor probably within about half an hour of the field. So she's racing in amongst all of the guys. And as she said to me today, it's a testosterone zone there. You know, when the guys get into trouble in narrow channels and in the trees, there's a lot of bumping and barging, and she's got to deal with that because that's where she's positioned herself in this race. So she's got to deal with that. And the second half of this race is extremely long. It's 75 kilometers. Uh, the cold weather is arriving tonight. We believe there's a headwind on its way, and the river is low. So it's going to be, from a physically demanding point of view, it's going to be a stamina day tomorrow, and we'll see if she's done the homework. I don't think many of this field of 165 paddlers has, has ever really done the homework for a 75-kilometer day, but we'll see if Bubbles has done the homework. I'm pretty sure she'll get through it unscathed and her lead will be intact, and then she will tackle that last 60 kilometers into the West Coast. And it's hers to lose right now, and she's done all the hard work. Sounds like uh, we're in for a tough day tomorrow. 75 k's. We look forward to it, Dave. We'll chat tomorrow night uh, to wrap up day three as we head towards the weekend. Have yourself a great one. Cold weather is on the way. Wrap up warm, and uh, we'll chat to you then. Thanks, Brad. We have ways to deal with the cold here. SAFM Sports Wrap. Keep it tidy, Dave McLeod. Uh, time now to chat some Craven Week rugby. It's uh, it was day three today down uh, in Nepal, and uh, a few interesting results. Uh, it's been quite a high-scoring Craven Week uh, this year, but there were two one-pointers today. Vata Ngombeni joins us now. Vata, looking at that Eastern Province KZN match, fantastic uh, match that must have been, 23-22 to, K, uh, to, to Eastern Province, and then uh, Griquas Country District narrow losing, also one point. The final score, 18-17 to the Leopards. Uh, those two games must have been absolute cliffhangers. Even if you bet into listeners as well, yeah, without a doubt, uh, what cliffhangers we had especially the last game between Eastern Province and Kozulu Natal. Uh, there was only one point in it right at the end of the game. Uh, unfortunately, marred a little bit for the two red cards. One, one to each team, Malan Mare from Eastern Province got his second red card, and therefore he's a red card. He got his marching orders. And Hendrick Prince, he got a red card for a, uh, a very unfavorable tip tackle on, 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 on Cohen Bosch. But then besides that, you know, what a wonderful to say of, of rugby. And, and tight, tight game it was. Um, but you could see it in a day, the Eastern Province is just too much power. And, and they were more composed than, than the Kozuna Parasite, who I think really tried to fight back out at the end, but they left it, um, uh, too little too late. Um, but again, you mentioned, uh, the Kinko's coming to six by a point to the Leopards. And it shows Zimbabwe, they were, they were mauled by Eastern Province, country district, 51 points to 20. And a wonderful game again between Southwest and District and the Lions. Southwest District uh, emerging there is victorious 28-19. And the Falker as well had a, had a good game. You know, against Hickles, they, they won that game 34-21.
But it was a, just looking at it, it must have been a disappointing week so far for the Golden Lions. They, they Obviously, if you look at what's happened on a, on a Super Rugby point of view, last year their senior side had a good curry cup. They would have been hoping that their youngsters uh, put in a, a much better performance this week, but it's not to be. No, it's definitely not to be for them. Uh, and unfortunately, they lost on, on day one, and, and they're very, very good part. You know, they, they play all, both of their players um, played together, uh, the multiple monuments, uh, World Cup monuments, and, and one of them they put up a lot of cotton pair results on, 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 during the course of the week. And unfortunately, they've, had, they've lost four day games, so they'll be playing on the, on the lower field, um, here at Paulus, tonight. But then again, you know, the, the one good thing about that is the fact that uh, we spoke to one of the players, um, after their game, and he said that, you know, they, they've learned a lot from this, um, it's brought it closer together. And, and hopefully, you know, come next year, some of the, the returning players will uh, make sure that they, 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 they heed whatever lessons they have learned from this season and they're able to close up matches because they came really, really close. So I think um, the opportunities they created, they didn't, they didn't close up and they would, they would, they would definitely learn from them. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've always been a, a side that's strong at, at schoolboy level. They'll be very disappointed. But looking ahead to Saturday, tomorrow is obviously a rest day. Uh, the big fixtures uh, on Saturday with the matchups, it's almost like the unofficial final. Yes, there's no winner at this tournament, but the one that everyone will be keeping their eyes on is the last game of the tournament. Western Province up against Eastern Province. Uh, old foes uh, of South African rugby coming up against each other. It's going to be a great, great last match. No, it should be a crack of a, of a game. You know, we saw yesterday with some problems. Yeah, they, they put up the, the best display of, of rugby, best performance of the week when, when they won the game against the Griffins. Uh, but then again, that comes for naught when, when you come into a, the unofficial final against the Eastern Province team who were, who were unbeaten at last year's uh, Craven League and they, they emerged as the, the, the unofficial champions of Craven League last year. So they, 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 they come up against, you know, your host versus, um, reigning champions. Uh, it's going to make for an interesting game. There's, there's something that tells me, though, that I think Western Province, with the amount of confidence that they'll be taking into that game, and the fact that they, they'll, they'll have the benefit of being a day fresher and, 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 and better rested than, than Eastern Province, might, might take that, um, I think there's a lot of pressure on them playing at home, and obviously there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, the, the players that have been left out of that Western Province squad coming to Craven League, and, and those guys who are in the team will be trying to prove a point that um, they, they, they were justified in their selection. And obviously there's, there's the HS schools team to, to consider and everyone will be vying for a place in the, in the HS schools, you know, squad. Um, and obviously to impress the other on the team as former coach who's been ha- um, hanging around here and, and also Neil Paul, uh, the Pittsburgh coach as well. So they'll be looking, um, first of all, I think to, to restore their pride as, as some province, but as well to impress, uh, the selectors for the various teams. But then just uh, quickly to wrap, it was 10 days ago, exactly today, that Pitt Malan uh, passed away, whose, whose brainchild the Craven Week was. He was the oldest living Bok until, until then. Uh, has anything special been done in memory of, of Pitt Malan at, uh, at this week's Craven Week? No, nothing special for, for Pitt Malan. What, what is going to be happening tonight is that they're going to be having a, a dinner, and, and they, they're going to be honoring um, all the of them, honoring the likes of Dr. Johnny Craven, of which uh, the Craven Week is named after. Um, and, and obviously some of the legends that, that have been, you know, behind, uh, Craven League being such a success and, um, being obviously the, the breeding ground for, for future Slimbox. Um, and, and as, as we've gone through the week as well, we've had various functions where, where they've honored, uh, the old Marty players and they've honored the old players from Forest. You know, this is a school, um, a season which, uh, Slimbox history, the first, uh, Slimbox captain came out of the school and the school's named after him and obviously, 
uh, Mark Otter as well, um, the, the main pavilion near Paul's is named after him, and he's the man who has been critical of a lot of what happens here in Stellenbosch with all the leagues, uh, cross eight leagues that happen at Martin, and just uh, the, 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 the rugby infrastructure that, that, that exists in the past. Um, so, yes, much has been done to honor the, 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 the past legends, but I think more than anything, uh, it's a celebration of future legends. And again, today, Brad, um, as much as I, I've been speaking the whole weekend, we're acting very clearly about a current coach who played lots of against the Eastern Province. But there's a young man in that team by the name of Crazy Mafu. 100 kilograms, 1.9 meters, and he's the number 8, and he's only included in 11. Um, watch out for that man as well. Looking forward to it. Another name to look out for. Vatungumeni, thank you so much for that update. We'll have more on the final day of the 2015 Craven Week this coming Saturday on SAFM Sports Special with John Kerrika. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, earlier today, John Kerrika, the host of SAFM Sports Special, caught up with South Africa's number one tennis player, Kevin Anderson, who's just come off a magnificent run uh, on grass. He finished runner-up to Andy Murray at Queen's and uh, came short in the fourth round against Novak Djokovic, but uh, a performance that uh, was nothing to be scoffed at. And the first question John asked him was if he was going to be taking a bit of time off after that run. Yes, I am. Um, you know, it's a bit of a stretch on the clay and the grass, and... Uh and like, you know, we shift into the high court, so it's a bit of a transition. Um, I have a couple of weeks off, you know, I've really been, uh, you know, resting up, trying to recover and, uh, just making that transition to the hard court. That mm. felt like it's been, uh, it's a little tricky just going from the softer courts and the grass and into the harder courts, um, just more in your body, so I really try to take it easy. Uh, but it's, uh, um, you know, I'm feeling good, so I'm looking, you know, definitely looking forward to this next next stretch coming up. You say feeling good, you must be great. What what a year you've had. Yeah, it's been good. I mean obviously you know it's still uh just over halfway I'd say. Um but I feel like I've had some good results. Um you know I feel um you know my game's improving and that's you know probably my my biggest focus. I feel like if I'm doing that uh you know I'm gonna give myself good chances on the court. I mean I believe I've got the game already and uh yeah, just the way I look at it, um, just constantly trying to improve, and um, yeah, I feel like it served me well. I think uh, you know, just going this year, being able to continue giving myself good opportunities. Um, I think you know, the next step is just to uh, try to take a few more of those. Obviously, it's tough. You're coming up against the best players in the world at that point in time, and um, uh, you know, definitely feel I'm getting, I'm getting much closer to do, doing that more consistently. Mm. What is does a tennis player look at rankings? What is the the numbers that you guys look at to see if you're improving? Yeah, I mean, I think tennis has a very accurate uh, ranking system. I mean, it really shows you where you are over the last year. Um, you know, it's just the way the rankings set up uh, with your best eighteen results comprising of the slams, master series. You know, then you know six of the five hundreds and two thirties. I mean, it's very accurate. Uh, you know, something, something that takes time though. Sometimes you're defending points from last year. Um, sometimes, um, uh, you know, other guys trip in front of you or behind you. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, most players, you know, take a lot, obviously a lot of pride to see where they're ranked. I mean, personally, I feel, you know, I obviously know where I'm ranked at the back of my mind, but, you know, in order to keep improving that, that's, you know, I'm not looking at the rankings every week and doing, you know, analysis and seeing what needs to happen. I mean, I'm just focusing on on what I'm trying to do on a day-to-day basis, and I feel like that's, you know, if you're going to be playing good tennis and winning matches, you know, 
the way the rankings are set up is, you know, you, uh, you, uh, you're going to keep moving up there. You've got that powerful serve. What else are you working on then to, to improve that game? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my serve games, you know, so if guys return so well, though, so, you know, we spend a lot of time on that next ball, trying to throw in a few serve and volleys, but, uh, you know, also trying to, you know, first strike tennis, you know, the better shot I can hit off my serve, uh, the better that um, assists the serve as well. That's something we, you know, we uh, we work hard on. Um, on the return games, uh, being aggressive on second serve returns, that's something that we've been looking at. You know, for the most part, it's just little things. Uh, I've been playing the sport for so long. Uh, <laughs> it's just about little, it's like little adjustments, mm. and a lot of it just, uh, you know, as everybody says, uh, the mental side as well. That was John Carricker catching up with uh, Kevin Anderson. If you want to hear that entire interview, make sure you tune in this weekend. SAFM Sports Special, Saturday from 3 to 7 and Sunday from 4 to 6 only on SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, that's it for the show tonight. Coming up next, it is the talk shop from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty. Don't forget, you can be in touch on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for SAFM Sports Wrap. Right now, it is 7 o'clock and time for your news.